You are listening to the Happier at Work podcast, and I'm your host, Aoife O'Brien. This is the podcast for HR and business leaders. We talk about things like leadership, well-being at work, diversity and inclusion, and the future of work. Welcome to episode 46 of the Happier at Work podcast and today's guest is Karen Tischler. Karen is originally from Germany but she's living in Canada at the moment. We talk about all things gender equality and flexible working and women in leadership and Karen has her own podcast as well called Job Sharing and Beyond. I'll be taking two weeks break over Christmas and New Year. And then this so this is the last podcast of 2020 and the next podcast will be out on the 8th of January. And that features Shane Toomey from Organization Dynamics. We're talking all things organizational structure and leadership. I look forward to sharing that with you. Welcome, Karen, to the Happier at Work podcast. I'm delighted to have you on as a guest today. Would you like to introduce yourself to listeners? Yes, thank you so much for having me as a guest today, Eva. Um, Yeah, I would love to introduce myself. So I'm Karen Tischler, and I'm the founder of Emily's Pass Consulting. The goal of my company is to... Um, get to gender equality faster than it is currently projected, which is about a hundred years. And the way I'm doing this is by making more people aware of flexible work. And why I do this is I believe that having more types of flexible work all around the world will increase the diversity in the workforce and by doing this that will then get us to um, gender equality faster. Um, One big part of my um, company Emily's Past Consulting is my podcast which is Job Sharing and Beyond and in my podcast I talk with international experts, business leaders, academics and practitioners about four different types of topics and they are flexible work, fathers and care, and support for professionals returning back to the paid workforce and the transferability of skills learned in the unpaid care setting. And my goal is by doing these interviews to basically make people more aware and help them understand that getting to a more flexible um, work environment it requires not only to have the what maybe people might think of the typical, oh, this is maybe for moms that need more flexible work. No, we really need to have flexible work available for both um, men and women. And in addition to that, by having more flexible work available that allows Um, professionals who might have been outside of the paid workforce for a long period of the time to get back more easily. And then finally, um, to recognize more of the skills that people have learned outside of the paid workforce. By doing that, again, it enables people to get back more easily because they can show what they have learned instead of being, oh, somebody has done a career gap 
or um, has had a career break that it really is recognizing all the skills they have learned during that time. Yeah, no, it's brilliant. And I really, really believe in your mission. Uh, I just recently finished reading a book called Invisible Women by Caroline Criado Perez. I'm not sure if you've heard of it, um, but in it, you know, she she basically documents that the fact that there is a gender data gap, there's not enough information about women to make proper decisions. And when decisions are made without data and predominantly by men in various fields, because typically they're the ones at those senior positions and making those decisions, the data is is not, well, I was about to say is inherently flawed, but it's actually non-existent in a lot of cases. So the decisions that they're making are incorrect and they don't suit women. And I actually, I, I have the book at home. I have not had a chance to read um, through it yet, but that is definitely an incentive now to read more through it. But um, I completely agree with you. Like, for example, when I started doing more research, I was trying to find out here in Canada um, how many um, women and men were actually stay-at-home parents. And to be honest, that data was actually not that easy to find. And basically what happened is I came across a Canada-wide number, which is roughly about a half a million stay-at-home parents. But the data is actually from 2015. And then because of a project, they split it down for dads across the different provinces. So I know, for example, that here in British Columbia, there are 12,000 stay-at-home dads, again, back from the data of 2015. But I actually do not know what the number is for moms. So I couldn't, if you'd ask me, I don't actually have that number. And so it made me realize, you know, because I emailed the statistics of um, Statistics Canada, and probably I was maybe the first one to email them because it was years later. And eventually they told me if I, I think it was paid me then maybe say $200, they could actually run the data on a per province basis for women as well because it exists but they just haven't crunched the data because I guess nobody was interested but it, it sort of reflected to me also like maybe the status of somebody who has been a stay-at-home parents that it is often a very invisible part of the workforce yeah Absolutely. Yeah, 100% agree. And, you know, it's interesting what you're saying that the, the data is readily available for stay at home dads, but it's not readily available for stay at home mums. And I, you do wonder who made that decision to make the data readily available, you know, and split down by province. It's very interesting. Um, another interesting topic that ties in as well with this, Karen, is the idea of the gender pay gap, which is getting a lot of press in Ireland because there is, um, so in the UK recently, they uh, they brought out gender pay gap legislation in Ireland. It's going through the government at the moment, so it's being processed. And that is very much related to how it's, it's more about gender representation and the level 
within an organization that women can get to. And the fact that women tend to take lower paid jobs and part-time roles and, and things like that, that is stopping us as women from reaching those higher level positions. So it's very relevant what you're talking about as well in relation to flexible work and having flexibility at all levels within an organization to provide equal opportunities for both men and women. Yeah, and to be honest, I always find it surprising because there is such a big concern everywhere in the world. How can we get women into higher positions? But at the same time, and you know, and they realize that often it is at the mid-management level that you have the, the leaky pipeline and that's where um, women drop off. But what I feel is once somebody decides to um, you know, leave the workforce entirely, they are sort of long and forgotten instead of um, like two things, instead of realizing if we could have a more flexible working environment, not just on a, as you said, like a maybe like an entry level position, but on a um, mid to senior level position, that would truly enable um, professionals to return back to the workforce more easily or not even have to opt out in the first place. And um, so, for example, in my podcast, I recently had on the show um, Esther Himmen and Katharina Winch um, from Germany, and their topic is top sharing. And so top sharing is basically job sharing on a management and on a um, expert level. And one of the statistics from the research um, was really interesting that basically a lot of the people had great interest in top sharing, but the majority had never heard of that. So I think there is a lot of um, awareness building that still needs to be done. And there need to be role models, um, companies and individuals that really role model that it can be done. And um, my favorite example is always SAP. Because SAP in Germany, for example, has made every management position as a job sharing possibility. And if, for example, um, somebody feels that it cannot be done, they actually have to, um, you know, put in, I guess, I don't know if it was in writing or at least have a conversation to explain why they don't believe that this job can't be job shared. And what was really interesting is that from all the management um, positions that are job shared, 43% of the job sharers are actually male. So, um, so I feel we need more um, role models. And um, last week, last week or a couple of weeks ago, I attended a um, event online um, organized among others by the German government. And it was about um, translated success factor family. And 
So um, they were basically talking about best practice examples of how can we um, help working parents to succeed in organizations. And so one of the things there was that they talked about is we need to have more male role models in um, part-time positions, whether that is a part-time career or you know job sharing. It, it, because it cannot be that it's only female because then it goes right back to the, well, that's the mommy track. And in order to get to gender equality and to really um, you know, allow everybody to um, you know, work and have work-life balance, it needs to be across. And yeah, so I feel there is still a lot of work to be done. Yeah, yeah. And that, that's that's kind of one element of it. And I totally agree. Having having those male role models showing this is how it's done, you know, taking whether it's taking extended paternity leave and like you say, job sharing or doing part time work. Um, all of that kind of stuff is really important. What else? What else is there, do you think, that, that we can get this balance a little bit better? Um, so in my mind, it's like... Um, yeah, I've been listening a lot to your previous um, podcast episodes and they're really interesting. And I think a lot of the times it's sort of the cookie cutter method. But I, you know, some of your guests have talked about how important it is to look at individual um, people and to be, you know, gearing more towards their strengths. And I think that, um, you know, in a way you can look at what people have talked about with COVID-19 and you look at um, countries that have done very well and often happen to have female leaders. And one of the strengths they demonstrated was the empathy they displayed and the collaboration to you know, be firm, but at the same empathetic about people's situations. And um, I, think that's something that could be done in an organization more to, you know, use the strengths that obviously, you know, you, like, you know, if you want to stereotype, like, you know, maybe more women are empathetic, obviously, it's not everybody, but I think to allow more different types of leaderships prevail. And one of the things and that I will be, you know, future, I will have several future guests on my show is to see how um, people have learned strengths of leadership by basically, um, you know, raising children to become future representative and respective uh, members of um, society, and then using these skills to apply to their um, leadership and managerial position at work. So it goes back to what you were saying about those transferable skills that people have. And even if they're out of the workplace for five, 10, 20 years, they're actually building on a really valuable skill set that sometimes people forget about. And even the individuals themselves maybe don't recognize in themselves the skills that they have built by being a parent. You, you are absolutely right. Thank you. Yes. And it's, I think often because care work or unpaid care work does not currently get as recognized 
in society as paid work, um, people who are especially um, a unpaid care for a long time lose their business confidence because the way people look at their resume is not positive. They look at it as a, oh, well, you know, this is somebody who might not have a lot of technological skills because they have been outside so long and they don't realize that, you know, somebody, as we said, raising children and also doing voluntary work, such as maybe for a school, um, you know, fundraiser going to corporations to get um, presents for a silent auction to, you know, manage many volunteers to put together that fundraiser. These are, if, if they were paid for it, or if it was in a company setting, people would be, wow, what leadership skills. But for, you know, currently, if it is outside of the paid workforce, that is not recognized. Um, and um, I am always very appreciative about um, Melinda Gates racing in her book, the moment of lift, the, the cost of unpaid care work, where she talks about that very thing. And um, also uh, Marilyn Waring, who is from New Zealand, an economist, female economist, who basically made the world realize that we need to really count unpaid care work, that our entire economic system is only you know, set up on paid work rather than on all the voluntary and unpaid care work. So, yeah. That's, uh, you're really going to love Invisible Women because that's something that she, she uh, addresses that issue as well in relation to unpaid care work, whether that is caring for elderly parents, caring for children, voluntary work that's done. Um, and women tend to take the bulk of that type of work, which is something that never really occurred to me before. But now I see it a lot with with friends and with um, colleagues and, and things like that. But uh, she does address that and, and says how if you counted that towards the GDP of a country, it would, it would dramatically alter things in terms of how things are counted. But it would also put a higher value on that work. Um, and if that work were to be subsidized in some way, say by the government, you know, in a in a more formalized way, in a in a more equitable way, that it would give women much more economic power and it would boost the economy as well, because women would have more money and they would spend money then within the economy. So um, it was an interesting take that she had on it. Yes. I now I will definitely read the book. I, <laughs> and, you know, one thing I also wanted to say as we are um, talking about um, women and men, I think one of the big things that has brought um, COVID out is that um, more men have been exposed to the unpaid care work and how much it actually takes because I think often if say um, a man was working from a office 
and head maybe a stay-at-home um, wife, they all of a sudden become you know realize how much effort it takes. But also when you have a a, a couple with two people working, um, it all of a sudden had to be much more of a um, a balancing act. Who mm-hmm. was going to do what and and so, for example, at the conference in Germany, what um, came out is that um, many more men than before asked their respective employer to work differently because of um, raising children. So um, while, for example, uh, there is a McKinsey and Lean In report that recently came out that basically said that one in four women in the U.S. are contemplating to opt out of the paid workforce because of um, COVID. Mm-hmm. Um, I would say the silver lining is that overall there have been multiple studies that men are doing more um, unpaid care work and also that um, secret parenting is becoming far less, um, you know, um, the norm because all of a sudden, like I'm I'm sure you remember the BBC um, professor, like, you know, who had his interview and his two little kids <laughs> came in. I, I forgot yeah. it was one or two years ago. Yeah. And it was this big deal, right? But nowadays you have Zoom calls and there are dogs, cats, you know, uh, little kids coming in and both when um, mothers as well as fathers are mm. on the Zoom call. So I really feel it it normalizes um, the the person that before it was maybe this artificial you are one person at work mm. and then you are the the private person and all of a sudden with COVID it becomes more it's the human being the family person and and I think it honestly feel it makes it people more authentic and then um, yeah yeah no uh- Absolutely, totally agree. And I was on a conference myself earlier today and in it, yeah, like a lot of the themes that were coming up were around workplace well-being. And if a leader admits to having had mental health difficulties during COVID, that it makes it okay for other people to admit those things as well. So kind of it touches on that role model example that you had earlier. And everything really centered around being more vulnerable and showing your human side at work. And it, it could be the case then that COVID has accelerated this in a lot of cases. It is disappointing to hear, and it's not the first time I've heard that, that, that 25% of the workforce are thinking of leaving because it's so difficult to manage both at the same time. And the other issue, I suppose, is the space that people work from and finding that space at home and sleeping where you work as well, which is quite quite an awkward thing to do, I think. And it makes it much more difficult to switch off at the end of the day. And, um, you know, the, the um, aside from from the the great strain of being in the middle of a pandemic, it's it's being at home while you're 
while you're working and sleeping in the same place that you work causes a lot of mental strain as well. Yes, I, I, I definitely can see that, especially I imagine if you are like, say, in the downtown area of um, big um, um, towns, right, where spaces at a premium and you just don't have that much, um, you know, different rooms or also availability, especially, you know, if it's really um, um, a lockdown and you're unable to actually go anywhere. And in the past, it seemed to me from all the research I have done that in Europe, flexible working has been accepted for a much longer time and whether that is um, on a like, you know, job sharing basis or part-time basis versus in North America, I always felt, and I had my kids when um, in the US when they were very little and it was always these all or nothing. And, and I felt it even as, you know, like a year or two ago, it still was very much, it's that work culture of 40 hours is like the minimum, so to speak. And I always felt that flexible working was just not really an option. And because of the lack of childcare, I really feel, and the fact that so many women in particular have considered or have actually left, um, you know, positions of like mid-management and higher, that um, some organizations are really starting to decide we need to do more about it. We need mm. to, um, you know, offer more flexible types of arrangements. And um, so I, I definitely see that as a, a silver lining. Mm. Um, and the other thing, um, as we were talking about, um, like people being stuck at home more. So again, I'm going to use SAP as my um, favorite um, example. So they have, for example, recently been um, awarded the number 12th position in the world's best places to work. And I completely, you know, um, congratulate them and agree with this because they've done an amazing job in during COVID because what I realized is that whilst, you know, many people have families around them, there are also many of their employees that are by themselves and they were starting to feel lonely. And so they actually started to create methods to help them by having a an app that sort of Tinder-like app, which allowed the employees to find lunch partners. So they had Zoom lunches. They've also had um, um, like a online barbecue, which had more than a thousand people attending. And that really was to focus on the employees. And I, you know, your previous um, guests have talked about the importance of maybe before it was all about shareholder value, but now they are coming to the realization that at the end of the day, we have to have happy employees, which then leads to happy customers. And I would say SAP undercover, you know, sees 
HR leadership in uh, Germany really has focused on the happy employees. And they have like, besides COVID, they have a father network where again, it allows dads to, you know, talk among them, what it is like to be a dad, to get support. They have keep in touch days for um, parents that are outside of work during parental leave to come with their baby to work for a day. I think it's every three months to kind of catch up on the latest business news. Um, they have some, um, you know, seminars about caregiving so they really like they have um, um mindfulness training so there is a lot of things that they are trying to offer their employees and not surprisingly um their um turnover rate is extremely low in the industry and so i feel the more we have role models like SAP in the world, the you know the the more we can yeah have going back to you know the unpaid um, professionals, you know, can allow them to come back under their terms with more flexibility, but also support in the needs they may have. Yeah. You've you've picked up on a few interesting um areas there so the the first one I didn't or at least it never really occurred to me that there is a big difference between flexible working in the states and Ireland I I always understood um North America as being very yeah the heavy work culture and certainly in Ireland it's sort of minimum of 20 days holidays like and that's at a minimum most places might be 25 going up to 30 or 35 um, and that seems to be the norm. And I, it, it would be different, as you know yourself, across different countries in Europe then as well. I think France has quite a, quite a lot. Um, plus we have a, additional public holidays as well, which is great. Um, but it's interesting to understand more about that, that perspective. And the, the, I suppose it's not surprising then that women sort of fall out of the workplace if, if flexible working is not supported after they've had kids. Um, I like this idea of the keeping in touch days. We ha- we have those certainly here, but a little bit more informally where it's normally the mum who, you know, she's on maternity leave for, for six months, nine months, a year, and she would come back into the office and with the, with the baby, but just informally really. Um, you know, it's, I like the idea of that more formalized approach to catch up on what's actually been going on. Um, and this, the idea of seminars about caregiving as well, we really, um, really, really like that. And SAP sounds like a great place to work. And it sounds, yes. you know, <laughs> and you're so right. It's not just about having role models within organizations. It's about having those role models globally to show this is what a good company looks like. And it's no surprise then. I'm sure a lot of people want to work there. I mean, by the sounds of it, it, it does sound like a really great place to work. Um uh, and this this uh, Tinder like app for Zoom lunches because one of the challenges that was that that came up on the um, the HR leader session that I was that I attended earlier was how to create that water cooler chat how to create that um, informal 
kind of work chat that you just you just get to when you're in the office where you just bump into someone you ha- you have some um you know small talk but then it turns to business but it's only in passing it's not a formal thing whereas that's like one of the big concerns is that's completely gone away now so how do you recreate that in the zoom world in the zoom setting so i really like the idea of that tinder like app so you match with someone who you would normally never meet and this is another huge benefit of working from home and having access to zoom is the idea of being able to network with people from everywhere in the world and on the one hand you have people who um, are finding out a struggle and it's feel a bit more isolated on the other hand I get the impression that there's a lot more balance in terms of the meetings so there's not necessarily one person taking over and um, dominating the meeting because it's on zoom now and you can see everyone and you can see when someone wants to say something um, and there's also um a much more in- inclusive environment as well, I suppose. And this, the idea of, of um, yeah, just being able to connect with people and, um, you know, just just being able to work with people that you would never normally work with on a, on a day-to-day basis, I think is, is incredible. And it, it just shows what can be done in this age of the internet, which we've had for a long time now. Yes. Um- just to um, you know, talk a few of your points. So SAP they work with an organization named Tandemploy, and so Tandemploy is a software company, and so they were first known because they were creating um, job sharing um, matching within organizations, and they have since expanded. And so um, that was um, you know the the, the lunch app. That's with the help of Tandemploy. And I just, um, yeah, I find that amazing that that can be done like this now. And um, what you were referring to, like feeling the world becomes smaller because all of a sudden um, we are able to talk to people because events are happening now online that otherwise would have been locally and we mm-hmm. would have never been able to travel to. And um we talked earlier that you have attended some meetings um, in North America online yeah. and the same for me, mm. the other way around. I've, I would feel um, over the last seven months, I have probably met more people in Germany in particular, but also elsewhere in the world than ever before. And um, because I think it puts everybody on a level field. There is much more of a like an icebreaker networking mm-hmm. kind of um, atmosphere than it was before. And I think in a way it helps also, I, I'm hoping in the future when um, people would like to or try to return back to paid work that because before I felt it was sort of from a psychological point of view, that locational distance, right? Everybody was physically in an office building and here was somebody at home. And um, now everybody is at home and it is no longer, I would say as much of a stigma. And um, you know, people have to be much more onboarded going back into a office building, but in some cases, as we've learned, 
going back to work in an office building might never be the case again, or maybe in a different format where it is maybe more for social gatherings mm -hmm. and the um, normal work is going to be at home. And um, uh, like there might be a reduction in business travel and all of this ultimately will help gender equality because then all of a sudden you know women might be able to um, apply for positions because it doesn't involve all of a sudden that much traveling or rearrangement of you know to to make things happen and um like the other thing is literally yesterday i learned about in a more traditional industry such as law there in germany there are two people sharing a law partner role on a like a top sharing basis so i'm starting to learn more and more and that's it was literally around three you know connections all done online and um yeah i i sort of feel being able to connect further through covid has really helped to spread more awareness of many things like i attended um a meeting in australia where um one of my um podcast guests is trying to um, raise more awareness of paternity leave and to expand it and you know eight or nine months ago a it would have been in person and i might not have been aware of it so yeah so i feel to me there are many positive things that coming out of um corona like on a silver lining and in germany even there is an um initiative that has been founded called um and it's focusing on making positive statements that get you know put out on twitter and other um places what has it done in a positive way so it's not always it's the worst i mean it, clearly it has impact negatively many people around the world but by the same token the innovation and um you know i think the collaboration and the focus on more authenticity mm. through covid in my mind is hopefully getting us faster to gender yeah. equality yeah 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 no absolutely agree is there anything else that you want to say about job sharing or any other kind of anything else that you would like to share um I think what would be important for anybody who has listened to it, there are little things that can be done that will make a tremendous difference. So whether somebody is on Zoom calls now or in an office building, instead of saying, you know, I'm leaving now, if they have to say, pick up their children, attend a soccer game, say it out loud, say, I am now leaving because I am doing, you know, something with my children. I, I attended yesterday an academic um, event. And at the end, the organizer said, 
um, our guest speaker has to leave because he has an important appointment. It was that he was cooking dinner for his family. And I just honestly, that to me, that was such a great role model. So I feel that is really important. And um, the other thing is really also when somebody comes back from paternity leave or, or you know, yeah, parental leave or paternity leave to ask that person, what have you learned? What skills do you feel you now possess that you would not have had had it if you hadn't been um, on parental opportunity leave? Yeah. I really, I really like that approach. What did you learn? Because yeah, certainly people learn something about whether it's about themselves or, or learned a new skill. Exactly. Great. Karen, the question I ask everyone who comes on the podcast, what makes you happier at work? What makes me happy at work? I've been thinking about that question. To me, I love research. And one of the things I also really love is to connect people with each other and um, being able to be authentic. And to me, that's with Zoom calls has really helped to get people to be more real. And so, yeah. Brilliant. And if people want to reach out, what's the best way they can get in touch with you? And obviously, yeah, you can um, talk about your podcast as well, which you mentioned earlier. Thank you. Yes. So um, if anybody wants to um, get in touch with me, the best way is to go to my website, which is emilyspath.ca. So that's E-M-I-L-Y-S-P-A-T-H.ca. And there you can find um, all the previous episodes with the show notes, as well as my um, um, Emily's Past Consulting newsletter, where you can also subscribe to it. And um, I'm also on like, you know, LinkedIn and Instagram and Twitter. Yeah. Brilliant. Thank you so much for your time today, Karen. It was really great having a chat with you today. Thank you so much, Eva, for having me on your show. I really, really enjoyed it. That was Karen Tischler, and we were talking about how flexible working can really support the gender equality agenda. And there was a couple of things that I wanted to draw your attention to. So there's this new concept of top sharing, which I had never heard of previously, and that's when senior leadership positions can actually be shared. A really, really interesting concept. We spoke a little bit about role modeling and having those role models, and I'll come back to that point in a second. She mentioned SAP a couple of times, and especially the example in Germany, where they uh, all of the positions have the possibility of job sharing, which I think that's a really interesting example of what it is that the future of work is going to look like. One of the questions posed then was, how can we help working parents to succeed at work? And again, the importance of having these male role models and allies within the business and and how to be leaders at home. Generally speaking, unpaid care work is not valued by society. So it's shifting that. So things like raising children and voluntary work that's done outside of the home as well. 
she mentioned the report and I know we've spoken about this on the podcast before the podcast episode with Patty Grimm she mentioned the report where it said that 25% of women may opt to leave the workforce or to reduce you know to take a bit of a step back due to COVID and, and the pressures that people are under she mentioned an interesting concept again not something I was aware of previously how flexible working is generally accepted in Europe whereas in in the US or in North America it tends to be an all or nothing approach. So the minimum expected is 40 hours a week and the lack of childcare in the US as well might be something that's hindering things there. Back to SAP then, she mentioned it again about SAP being the 12th best place to work, which is really great. And she she mentioned specifically about the father network and keep in touch days and running seminars all about caregiving And having role models within the organization to show people like this is really how it's done. And then the final couple of points really are about telling people what you're doing. So if you're leaving early because of a commitment that you have, just bringing that human side back into work and telling people what you're doing and why you're leaving. So the example she shared was the senior leader who was leaving to cook dinner for his family. And also thinking about after you return from a maternity leave or a paternity leave, what did you learn? What additional skills did you get? It could be something you learned about yourself or it could be an additional skill that you learned in that period. As always, thank you so much for listening. Thanks for listening this far. And I really appreciate you listening to the podcast. If you enjoyed it and there is someone else who you think might benefit from listening to it, feel free to hit the share button. I'd love if you could spend a couple of minutes to give me a rating and a review on your podcast app of choice. And it really does make a difference to help people to find the podcast. So I appreciate that. If you would like to connect with me, you can do so on LinkedIn, Aoife O'Brien, that's A-O-I-F-E O'Brien. And I hope to see you there. Thanks for tuning in. Until next week. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Happier at Work podcast. I'm delighted to have you here. If you enjoyed this podcast, I'd love if you could rate or review the podcast or share it with a friend. You'll find me on the website happieratwork.ie.